0: You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. go, 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 go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is hour two of
1: Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Bradford celebrating Joel Hicks' Lone State Championship in
0: 1992. Yes, absolutely. On on
1: Got to be the live version with the crowd singing, right? Roger Taylor just working his wrists off on the drum. It really is. They didn't try to make it that way, but all their songs have been adapted for sport for a lot of them. Gotta leave it on to hear Brian May's uh, classic guitar riff. Here we go. Take it, Brian. There you go. That's for you, Wayne. Yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely perfect. Yes, sir. And that's for Coach Hicks and that 1992 team led by the incomparable Eric Webb. We went to take on Thomas Dale. They were mocking us. I remember sitting in the press box. That was the first year I did color analysis on high school football with Collins Knighton at Q102 back in the day. And we got there to take on Thomas Dale. And the folks were asking about, I quote this, where is Poduck, Pulaski County? Do they practice in cornfields? I was asked these questions. Well, they had a kid by the name of Kenny Oxendine who would end up being a star for Virginia Tech. Wes chimes in, who needs coffee when you have Queen? Absolutely, Wes. Thank you. My sentiments exactly. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Pulaski County ran, passed, defended, crushed Kenny Oxendine and Thomas Dale to win the state championship. The 93 team was much better. Too many mistakes in the state semifinals cost them a repeat appearance in the title game, which they would have won easily. It was the semifinal game that got them that year. But I digress. As I recall during the parade, We Will Rock You was blaring, kind of like it was just a little while ago. Six three nine forty nine hundred. 4900 uh, text lines open, 744-2990. All right, so our show legal counsel has said that uh, the Radford basketball team, which we talked about taking on, uh, well, John Marshall, they're going to have a send-off to Richmond in the back of the school near the gymnasium at 10 a.m. Public is invited. All right, so that's at 10 a.m. Is that today? I think that's today. Uh, John Marshall, of course, four players going to play D1 hoops. So, the task will be daunting, but as Rick Cormany said a couple shows ago, hey, you know what? And I won't coach that way. I'm not coaching to go down there and just show up. We're going to coach him like we always coach him. <laughs> Wayne's asking, you know what my DJ name was, Rick? And this is somewhat serious, and I'm not being flippant, because folks in Radford will remember. Um, there was a student at Radford High School that had my name, Rick Watson. And, unfortunately, the Radford version of Rick Watson, he was killed in a car accident. Right as I started my, it was close to the time that I started my uh, afternoon country drive show. And it started out as, I've never used a false name, like I've never used like a DJ name, it was Rick Watson. But people were calling the show, and saying that they didn't appreciate my poor attempts at humor. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? And they explained to me that there was a a, a young man in Radford named Rick Watson who had just lost his life. And I had no idea because I did not know this person. So... It happened that quickly that I had come on and I said, look, I I apologize. I had no idea. And then I used my middle name. I went with Rick Allen. My middle name is Allen. Spelled the right way, A-L-L-E-N. So then I went just with Rick Allen. That was my, for two years, my country Q102 <laughs> DJ name. And I used to always get yelled at, too, by a lot of the uh, – female listeners because at that time there was a song that I still hold as one of my all-time least favorite songs that when I hear it I want to take as many sharp-edged ice picks as I can and jab them through my eardrums but of course I'm talking about Billy Ray Cyrus and Aki Abreki heart. And I had the Country Afternoon Drive, is what it was called. And it was very popular. People called in, and they would request songs, and I would, you know, play their songs, kind of like I do for you. So you're right. I'm kind of tying in together when I first started as a DJ to when you have requests like the great things we've listened to today (laughs) from the old uh, football themes and basketball themes. By the way, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness, Terry. I'm sorry you asked for it. I don't know if this is the right one, Terry. I got a couple here. Here's the first one. He wanted to hear some 70s NFL on NBC themes. Here we go. Whoa. This is early, early. We got guys in the locker room. There we go. Getting their pads on. This is the NBC Sports. Sounds very similar to some of the others, doesn't it? Oh, wait a minute. We got saxophone. Is that Jen? Is that Jen on the saxophone? Hey, that's true. I was Rick Allen before Def Leppard's Rick Allen. That's true, Wayne. I forgot about that. (laughs) Rick Allen of Def Leppard, of course, the drummer who lost his arm yet was still able, unbelievably, to play with the band and tour and record just amazing with foot pedals oh man this is cool we got franco we got bob kuchenberg reggie mckenzie leading the way charlie johnson the old broncos quarterback paul casanova the defensive back for the Bengals. just naming them off as they show them here oh that was great now that is from earlier terry here you go here's an open From 1978. Raiders and Seahawks. Can you hear that? That's very low. Here we go. NBC Sports presents
0: the best of the National Football
1: League. Oh, now we're talking. This is in 78, the year after the Broncos lost Super Bowl XII to the Cowboys with eight turnovers. They should have won the damn game. Don't get me started. (laughs) Brought to you by New Schlitz Lighthouse. Pilsner Beer. Schlitz Still Light Pilsner Natural Pilsner, Pilsner Beer. Now we're talking. By Chrysler Plymouth, who invites you to see and compare Plymouth-Volari. The solid,
0: substantial, mid for 79 And by Allstate Insurance Companies.
1: You're in good hands with Allstate. You're in good hands with Allstate. Raymond Chester. They're showing some highlights of the Colts and Patriots walking to center field. Don Shula and his old Dolphins All right, there you go, Terry. I hope that kind of whetted the appetite. We had not uh, played much from NBC. We had CBS, and we had, of course, uh, Monday Night Football and all that. What is this? Now, see, now, see, this is the problem. Now I get distracted because this popped up. This is from December 26, 1977. The Ghost of the Post. NFL Today update with Brent, Irv Cross, and Phyllis George.
0: At 6 p.m. Eastern time, CBS will be taking you to the Los Angeles Coliseum for the playoff game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams. The weather in Los Angeles is not good. It has rained hard this morning, and of course the showdown there between two more 1,000-yard runners, Lawrence McCutcheon of the Rams and Chuck Foreman of the Vikings, will be checking in with Vin Scully momentarily. But how about those two AFC playoff games on Saturday? Weren't they classics? Oakland and Baltimore. The fourth quarter is worth a second look as the Colts appear Oh, we got highlights the from the 70s. Oh. diving off guard for the
1: Oakland and Baltimore 64. Burt Jones and versus Kenny Stabler. Four
0: times at that point now it is Kenny Stabler going to his running See? back Van Egan. Mark Van Egan, number 30 line, and finally is brought down at the
1: 29 yard dirt line field Colts, by the way in Baltimore Memorial four, Stadium no grass down, at all painted, bars, grass, painted grass. dirt painted dirt Then it was Jones going to Ray Chester Raymond this Chester number 87 for the Baltimore the Colts line,
0: and Ron Lee barged in the sixth time the lead had changed hands it was 31-28 then oh, here comes the, the snake. Day. Stabler going long, and the great Dave Casper making like Willie Mays. Got it to the 14-yard line.
1: Time running out in regulation play. Man with a 22-yard field. Earl goal man. Tie at 31. tied the game Turned at 31. Less than 50 seconds into
0: it. Going for the touchdown, a play that Baltimore did not expect. It was 37-31. The
1: The ghost of the post with the great, and I mean great, Dave Casper. We talk about these tight ends today in the NFL, and you look at uh, the Travis Kelseys of the world and those that led up to it. Dave Casper, I think, modernized that tight end position with those Raider teams. How great was that, man? How great was that? Yeah, it's true. Baltimore Colts. Somebody said I need to clarify. Yeah, the Colts were in Baltimore before they betrayed their fans. 1982, and then in the middle of the night, packed up the Mayflower trucks and went to Indianapolis. All right. So don't think the Ravens have always been in Baltimore. No, they were the Baltimore Colts, and they were one of the traditional strong franchises throughout the NFL. As a matter of fact, when they lost Super Bowl three, they were 18 half point favorites over Joe Namath and the upstart Jets from the AFL. And of course, the Jets went in and pulled off, probably to this day, the biggest upset in NFL history, right? And it also forced eventually the merger between the AFL and the NFL, which has led us to this multi billion dollar industry that's showing no signs of slowing down, which is the current National Football League. I love, I mean, I love the history books. I've read so many about the AFL, its beginnings and its connection there and how it kind of forced its way in to be part of the lexicon of the NFL. But in any event, Dave Casper was that guy. Um, Just an unbelievable tight end. He had good speed. He ran great routes. I mean, his hands were some of the best in the history of the game. But that kind of got the tight end position going a little bit. And when... The number 87 started to become popular amongst tight ends. You see it all the time now. 87, right? Rob Gronkowski, Kelsey, whoever else I'm leaving out, 87. Well, Dave Casper was the guy who inspired that. And some of those guys will look back and tell you, the guys who came later and so forth. But, uh, man, that's good stuff. And I knew people would run with it. I knew they would. As soon as I played the first one, people were going to jump on that stuff. And, man, it's great. It's great. If I were playing this now during Mike Ashley's segment, we wouldn't even talk. We'd just listen to these things. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Mike about all this coming up. So be sure to head to, um, again, send off Radford High School basketball in grand style in the back of the school near the gymnasium, 10 o'clock. That's this morning. And best of luck to Rick Cormady and the squad as they play in their 11th, 11th state title game. All right, we're rolling along here on what is a bit of a rainy Friday. Hope you're okay wherever you might be. And even when I'm not, I always feel better when I interact with you, the best listening audience around. Stay with us. More coming up. Absolute best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that.
0: That's the fact, Jack! Yeah. That's
1: a the fact, Jack! Yeah. More Big Dog Next on W-R-A-D. <laughs> As we mentioned yesterday, I expected it to happen, but uh, Patrick Ewing was fired at Georgetown. Um, He was there. It's hard to believe he was there for six seasons. Didn't realize he'd been there for six seasons. Um, Not good. 75 and 109. And here's where the speculation. You heard Bill Ross say it. David Teal said it. This is where the whole Mike Bray connection. He lives there in D.C., And we'll see what happens with uh, Georgetown going forward. But, you know, it doesn't always mean you're going to be a good coach just because you were a great player. So that happened yesterday as well. Carolina knocked out of the ACC tournament, and immediately those were uh, looking at the bracketology saying, well, they're going to be out. They're going to be out now. And that'll be very interesting to see um, how it all plays out. But again, you know, Lenardi, who I've always looked at as being that guy, but did he finally – yay, he finally took the College of Charleston off of the line. Yay, because, you know, they won their tournament. He has Arizona State right now, Nevada. Arizona State's playing in the Pac-12 semis, by the way. They're still alive. Nevada, North Carolina, and Wisconsin is the first four – out this morning. Michigan is out after losing yesterday to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. Clemson, Oregon, and Vanderbilt, but Oregon's still alive as well in the Pac-12. They play UCLA. His last four in are Penn State, Oklahoma State, Rutgers, and Utah State. And in his first four, he's got Penn State playing Oklahoma State, Rutgers and Utah State, Howard Grambling, Southeast Missouri State and Fairley Dickinson playing one another. He's got UNC Asheville, the Big South, as a number two seed in the Midwest in Kansas City, taking on Arizona. That would be a sign of some respect there, not only for Asheville, but also the Big South. I mean, they're a 27-win 20, team, so that would be cool just to see them go head-to-head against Arizona. So, again, that's the bracketology. He still has just five getting in from the ACC this morning. And, you know, we're not going to really have an upset now, so nobody's going to be able to play their way in. The Big Ten with nine leads the way. SEC, Big 12 with eight is what he has right now. So, we shall see what is correct and what's not. There could still be some bid stealing going on. In these other leagues. So we'll find out. We'll find out. But that's the latest. And um, right now, if you're a Carolina fan, you're looking at the NIT. A couple questions uh, coming in on the text line. Do I think Carolina will accept a bid? I think so. I think they will. I mean, you're paying those guys for a reason. You're not paying those guys to not play basketball. I mean, I'm I'm not being – facetious at all. I mean, it's true. I mean, the NIL is what it is. I mean, you're continuing your season. You're going to have a chance to play in the postseason. This is what people were arguing yesterday about Tech. And now we know from Mike Young's comments that uh, he really wants to play in the NIT if they get an invite. So it won't be a question of whether or not Tech accepts. They just want to see if they get one now. But you're going to have Wake Forest and North Carolina each get invitations likely before Virginia Tech. So we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So that's what we're looking at. Halfway home here on the Friday. Jen and Mike Ashley coming up. Hope everybody's doing okay, wherever you might be. Stay with us as we roll along. Line at 744 2990. No, no. Mike. Mike says, All right, you play everybody's request. I want to hear some makey breaky heart. Ah, oh, now see, now Wayne is texting. No, 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 and no. Not going to happen. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> achy, breaky heart is akin to the TV show Friends. Things that people liked that had absolutely zero quality to them, but yet made the people involved tons and tons of money. (laughs) I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus has actually stayed pertinent because of that song, and then, of course, because of the antics of his somewhat, um, Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Raunchy daughter, right? (laughs) Not necessarily because he's creating great music or created very good music after that dreaded song, but no, sorry, I... Now I have to amend when I said, hey, I will play your requests. Now I have to say, I will play your requests other than aching, breaking (laughs) the heart. 744-2990. No, not going to happen. ACC semis are later this evening. Should be a couple of pretty good matchups: Duke, Miami, Clemson, and Virginia. Everybody wants to see the Duke-Virginia rematch. Now, I didn't mind the Chattahoochee. Didn't I like me some Alan Jackson? "Gone Country" it's a good song. It's a good song. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good too. Don't mind that one at all. Be perfectly honest with you. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. See, I'll start reading your text, and I'll lose my place. Uh, Carolina loses last night. Right now, everybody's saying they're out of the tournament. Um, seems like that's gaining momentum, so that would be the case. So Now the ACC's probably looking at just five, like everybody said, and I don't guess I'm going to be wrong. I thought they would get six in, um, but these four teams that are playing are already in the tournament, Duke, Miami, Clemson, Virginia. The other one being NC State. So, there we are. There we are. Uh, People asking about how the rest of the tournaments are setting up. Had an upset. Iowa State beat Baylor yesterday. So, in the Big 12, you've got Iowa State at number three, Kansas. TCU in Texas. Bill Self not coaching Kansas for the postseason, or at least in this tournament. There's been all sorts of things bouncing around Twitter about if he's got Some kind of illness. Somebody said that he had a heart attack. There's been nothing from the school other than because of health issues, Bill Self will not be with his team. So I don't know, and I'm not going to speculate, but those are the things that have been swirling around. The Big Ten has its quarterfinals today. They'll have their championship game traditionally, as they always do on Sunday. Rutgers and number 5 Purdue. Ohio State, who's won a couple of games Happy for Chris Holtman, the former Gardner web coach, a uh, friend of mine. Glad to see that he's been under some heat this year, but uh, he's got him playing in the quarters against Michigan State. Penn State and Northwestern. Uh, folks are saying Penn State is likely uh, going to be into the tournament. Big Ten going to get a lot, at least nine teams. Maryland and Indiana the other game in the quarterfinals today. Just running down through the uh, conferences here since people are asking. In the SEC, it's also the quarterfinals. Mississippi State in number four, Alabama. That's the first game. These games will go in order. Tennessee against Missouri at 17 versus 25. Uh, late session, Arkansas at number or against uh, number 18, Texas A&M. By the way, Buzz Williams, the SEC Coach of the Year. Vanderbilt and Kentucky, the late game in the SEC tonight. Quarterfinals in the Big Ten and the SEC. They'll have their title games on Sunday preceding the bracket reveal. Pac-12, late, late tonight. Oregon and UCLA. number 2 UCLA and Oregon. That's at 9 o'clock. And then the late game, about 11.45, Arizona State against number 8 Arizona. Arizona State trying to make sure it's going to be part of this tournament. So we shall see. So there's some teams still battling in the power conferences to try to steal some bids, and there's some nervous folks on the bubble, and We'll see um, how it plays out, but um, I was very surprised to see the game and how it ended last night. I thought NC State would beat Clemson. I didn't expect them to go out and not only not beat Clemson, but lose by 26. 80-54. The team that put up 97 against Virginia Tech scored 18 points in the second half. 18 points in the second half. They couldn't miss. Against Tech, they were just 5 of 20 from three. Shot 35%. And I don't know if they just were worn out or not, but everybody always told me, these coaches say, you look at the rebounding edge, that's how you know whether a team was okay in terms of their legs or not. They got beat by 15 on the glass last night. 15 on the glass. That was big. That was big. I mean... Huge, huge. But nonetheless, as we watch these semis tonight, it's going to be very, very interesting. People are saying, yeah, they used up all their offense against Virginia Tech. <laughs> uh <laughs> Clemson probably, I think Clemson was in anyway, but they needed that. I think they kind of needed that. I mean, I think they were in. Everybody kind of assumed they were in. I don't think Clemson goes very far. But obviously Virginia with their defense, Miami, they didn't get good guard play yesterday. They edged out Wake. But Duke right now seems to be gaining a lot of momentum. I mean, that's a, that's a huge win against the Pitt team that everybody's already penciled in as well. So, massive, massive. And we'll see how it plays out in the semis. Duke, three-point favorites over Miami. Virginia, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Clemson right now. So, they expect two very, very close games in the ACC semifinals. It has been a lot of fun watching all the games, bouncing around. You kind of get that early that early appetite whetted for the NCAA tournament. Again, the reveal comes uh, – Sunday late afternoon, as always. The men and then the women. Then you have the NITs. There's a women's NIT as well. There's also a women's CBI. So all these tournaments are going to go in order. And we'll find out where Raptor University is going to play in the CBI down in Daytona Beach. Um, Who they're going to be playing. We know where they'll be playing because all the games are in the same spot. But who they'll be playing and what time. Late on Sunday. And we'll find out, obviously, about Virginia Tech's postseason opportunity if it comes in the NIT. I don't don't think they would play in the CBI. I don't know. Mike Young wants to host an NIT game. He came right out and said it. They've bid to host. So he's very eager to try to continue it. Um, interesting comments from... And I don't think any of them are back. By the way, people are asking uh, Grant Basile, Hunter Couture, Justin Mutz. I don't think any of them come back to Blacksburg. Um, They did say they would relish the opportunity to continue playing basketball with their teammates. But I don't see any of those folks coming back. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. Things change. And it was assumed for a long time that Justin Mutz wasn't going to come back And then he started working on a deal and got his deals done and decided to come back for one more year. Add to his degree collection. And he had a very solid season. He's not a superstar, not a game-changing player like Keve Aluma, who graduated before him or left school before him. Now playing professionally, but same time, good player. No doubt about it. But we'll see. Roster makeups are going to change so much throughout the country. And for Mike Young, um, will Rodney Rice return? I don't know. People ask these questions, but, of course, we didn't get any kind of clarification at all about the Maddox kid other than what I'd heard about behind the scenes, which I agreed to not go public with because I was asked not to. And I'm not going to betray that trust. I mean, I'm not going to do that just to get people talking about it. I'm not that kind of host. And there are a lot of other folks around who – do those types of things. That's not me. I have relationships that I value and people who trust me enough, knowing I have this outlet. So when I hear something and they ask me not to share it, I don't. But we didn't get an official announcement about his situation. Although it was clear he wasn't with the team the last month. So when you're thinking about how the roster may look next year, we're not going to get probably a whole lot. It'll be up to the kid. And you'll know as soon as the name gets put in the portal, that's how you know, right? When, you have a lot of speculation, then you see, okay, kid A, kid B, they go into the portal and they say they're going to transfer, then you know. But before then, everything is just speculative. And we'll find out how all that plays out going forward. Because I, I you know, I I think this team underachieved. Mike Young said they underachieved. He's very honest. He's, I mean, I don't know how else you can say it. But I did try to temper the expectation going in, and I mean, I was hearing from a lot of people, I mean, even some of the experts who come on the show, that this tech team had a shot to really go, I mean, I was I was understanding when you're buying the momentum of winning the ACC, and you had Mutz coming back, and Couture, and you knew Padula would be better in the next year some of the young players they added, but nobody foresaw what happened with Maddox. Nobody saw what happened with Rice and his injury. It would have looked a lot different, I'm sure, if he'd have been available all year. But I always think back to that, and I wonder, well, you are looking at who's no longer here, right? <laughs> Kevin Aluma was a difference maker. Storm Murphy was a difference maker. I mean, those guys helped change, I think, the entire atmosphere around Mike Young's program, the trajectory of the program raised with the way those guys came in and performed. And you didn't really have anybody that was guaranteed to come in and be part of the 22-23 roster that could replace not only that on-court production, but what those guys meant in the clubhouse. I mean, Mike Young came on the show last year during the season. and All he did was rave about Kevin Aluma and the way – he led that team not only by example, but he chose his moments to be a vocal leader and how much respect he had for the way he went about things. I'm telling you. And Storm Murphy was a true, true point guard. Tech didn't have that this year. They didn't have that. Hunter Couture's not a point guard. Sean Padula wants to be, but I'm not sure he's anything but a two-guard. Storm Murphy was that guy. So you lost your quarterback, and then you lost, if you will, your best receiver on that offense. So all these things that were coming in about this team winning 25. I had some people thinking they were going to win 22, 25 games. I'm like, well, okay. But they don't have that scoring post anymore, and they don't have that point guard who kind of kept things under control. And sure enough, I think that was a big problem. I mean, they got off to the great start because of the schedule they played. I warned you then, too, remember? People came down on me a little bit. Hey, you're not giving them credit. They're 11-1. Okay, but... Eh. And then they start out 0-7 again in the ACC. I would always use, if I were a Power 5 school... Radford does it all the time not only because it helps them get better in the Big South, but they get paid, right, by these schools to play a tough non-conference, which is why they're associating themselves with the CBI to be part of the MTE events later on, things like that. But smart move for Darius Nichols all the way around to be playing in this tournament. Very smart. Um, I would would try to play as many – Formidable teams that I projected to be NCAA teams all the time. Maybe not load up with five or six of them, but maybe, maybe play two or three or four. You know, some really big games. Try to see if you can get a home and home. Get somebody to come to Castle. Reward those fans. Tech fan is a great fan. I mean, Tech fan has proven to be just an unbelievable supporter. They don't want to see teams from, I'm sorry, the Big South show up at Castle. They don't want to see Grambling. I mean, reward them. Challenge yourself. See where you are. See where you need to come. Because what did that 11 and one get you? It got you hoping to get an NIT birth. That's what it got you. Right? All right, we're wrapping up Hour 2. Remind you what's ahead in the Power Hour here. Final hour for another week coming up. March Madness has lived up as it always does. It actually always exceeds our own expectations. All right, And the tournament's not even here yet. Stay with us. Don't go away. We've heard the other guys, and frankly, we've heard enough. Now
0: shut that door and get the hell out of here!
1: The grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. I'm not going to allow Dirty Dancing to ruin this song (laughs) for me. And I'll be very honest. I'll just just admit it. At the time that movie came out, I had zero desire to see it. I thought it was the cheesiest, stupidest thing that I'd ever, ever witnessed, at least in previews. Still feel that way. And I watched it only to impress a girl. (laughs) And I guess the only way I can describe whether or not that effort that I made worked would be this. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. (laughs) So, there you go. Sometimes you make the ultimate sacrifice and it definitely pays off. So, no, I will never, ever, ever, and I mean ever, sit down to that particular film. Again. <laughs> Ever. Oh, it's just, it's such, such cringe. Such cringe. Now, I really hate, hate what happened to Patrick Swayze in real life. I hate that he was taken so young. but uh, Wow. I mean, that's, it's just a bad movie, all right? It's just a bad movie it is and I like a lot of bad movies, but I guess the ones I don't like are cringe and now there's a roadhouse remake coming by the way. Jake Gyllenhaal. really? ooh good question, Frank. what if Jen asked you to watch it? you know what I'm gonna ask Jen that question <laughs> Jen's coming up here in a few minutes. I'm going to ask Jen when she comes on about, uh, about that particular film. There you go. We'll just, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll just get the conversation going with her. Yeah, so Jake Gyllenhaal is taking on the role of well, Patrick Swayze's role in the new Roadhouse, which proves for the, I guess, 17,000th time that Hollywood is out of fresh ideas. Right? Let's remake Roadhouse. Uh-oh. Okay. But you can't have Sam Elliott even doing a cameo because his character was killed, right? But then again, since when does Hollywood care about continuity or anything that makes sense? The 8 o'clock power hour coming up. Jen from Columbia. Then Mike Ashley, who's been down at the ACC tournament hanging out. The likes of Rick Rogers and... Rob Peterson. We'll be back. Stay with us.